We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower. We are here to talk about the L.A. Rams 23-20, hard-fought 23-20 victory over the Denver Broncos today. Norm, how you feeling, brother? Good. How about you, man? That was stressful. That was stressful. You, you don't feel the stress in that game at all? Only at the very end. The very end? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we I mean, we were leading the whole time. It was just, you know, we'll get into it on why I was a little stressed at the end. But other than that, I mean, you know, playing in Denver where it's hard to play and it's cold and Jared Goff wearing gloves and all that, you know, I, I can't complain. We won. And I don't have to take six shots on uh, – tomorrow night's episode with uh <laughs> blitz nfl because uh it wasn't a 10 point victory yeah for those who don't know we're going to be on their show tomorrow night recapping the game for them um <laughs> i'm glad uh you would have been the one taking the shots anyways you might as well take a shot at least with them though right i will but i'm not gonna have to take six all at once all right well folks before we start we just want to remind you that we're on spotify and tune in we're also in with iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, pretty much everywhere now. Or, and I'm still working on getting us on every single podcast outlet, but you can check us out. You can recommend us go anywhere now. Don't forget we're on iebeatradio.com. They air our shows Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, one more thing about iTunes. We're now at 87 five-star reviews on iTunes. Once we get to 100, we are giving away $75 
gifts to a $75 gift to NFLshop.com where you're hopefully going to buy Rams gear. It better be Rams gear. If I get some Raiders joke or win things, I'll be, I'll be mad. Or Chargers. I mean, there's only like three fans of them out there, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, just, okay. Um, Norm, the stats here are are going to be interesting. Uh, what you got for us? Well, I'll go through the Ram stats first. You know, this is obviously Jared Goff's worst game of the year. 14 for 28, so 50%. 201 yards with no touchdowns and an interception. The way that we thought it would go, Todd Gurley, 28 carries for 208 yards, two touchdowns, a 7.4 average. Malcolm Brown had 5 for 24. Goff had 4 for 14. Robert Woods, 1 for 12. And Cooper Cup, 1 for 12. Uh, Receiving, Woods had uh, 109 yards receiving on seven catches. Brandon Cooks, 53 on two. Gerald Everett had two for 24, Todd Gurley, two for 17, Cooper Cup, no catches, Josh Reynolds, one for two, and uh, let's see, we had John Johnson with an interception, we had uh, (laughs) Troy Hill leading the team in tackles with seven, only because they were throwing at him all night, Uh, LaMarcus Joyner had five and two, Brockers four and one. Uh, let's see here. Sacks. LaMarcus Joyner had a sack. Aaron Donald had a sack. And, uh, kicking Carlos Cairo Santos went three for four. Johnny Hecker, three punts, 40 yard average. Uh, one kick return, one, two punt returns for a 14 and a half yard average by Jojo Natson. Good to see him back. Mm Mm-hmm. Nice to see him. That's the that's the Rams stats. Um, Broncos. I'll just quickly go over. Case Keenum was twenty five for forty one for three hundred and twenty two yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. The impressive part was their rushing for us. Nine carries for Royce Freeman for twenty two yards, a two point four yard average. Philip Lindsay four rushes for eighteen yards. Devontae Booker, two for 15. Keenan, one for six. And Chad Kelly, one for minus one. Their big player was Emmanuel Sanders, seven for 115 yards, receiving one touchdown. And Demarius Thomas, three for 57 and a touchdown. Cortland Sutton, three for 58. Philip Lindsay, six for 48. Uh, as far as team stats go, let's see here. Of course, I'm going to get it pop up and it's going to screw it all up. Well, let's just skip the team stats. <laughs> I got them too, if you need me to. Yeah, go for it, because all of a sudden my computer's not happy. All right, so team stats here. It uh, Well, it's it's interesting. Starting from starting with first downs, 24 for the Rams, 21 for the Broncos. Third down efficiency. The Rams were horrible in the first half. They actually got better. 8-17 for the Rams. Denver was 4-for-11. Four four Rams were 1-for-1 one one on fourth down. Total yards, 446 for the Rams, 3-7 for the Broncos. It didn't seem like that in the game, but there was a pretty good disparity there. The big one for the Rams, 272 yards rushing. It's been a long time since I've seen the Rams run for that much in a the game. They held, uh, they held the Broncos at 60 overall. Yet net yards passing, 174 for the Rams, 297 for the Broncos. We already heard all the... Uh, the passing stats besides that. Here's the big one here. Time possession for the Rams. 33-48. Uh, 24-45 for the Broncos. Penalties are big in this game. Nine for the Rams. For 62 yards. Many of those, I think, at the end... I thought this was a well-called game overall. But that last drive had some issues I think we'll talk about as well. So, there's our team stats. I guess... I guess without well, getting... You need to point out, Gurley broke his own rushing... You know, his his rushing, career rushing high. Yes, he did. He did. 208 yards for him is his, his career rushing high now. Congratulations to him. Uh, Steve, on his show, Steve and Johnny talked about the possibility of him breaking the record, and a couple people scoffed at it. I think if the Rams have been more focused on the run earlier in the game, we may have a different result. A and B, he may have broken the record because Denver couldn't stop him. Denver couldn't no, stop the Rams' game at all. And it's... Um, <sighs> We got to talk about that. 
the play call in this game was interesting, to say the least. So, uh, okay, here we go. Uh, what do the stats tell you, Norm, about this game today? What do they tell you? Well, they tell me that we should have run the football a lot more, which I was screaming at the screen a lot for that. You know, and I, I don't want to be negative, um, but I will say that we don't run the football far enough, and we throw the ball way too much in the red zone, especially inside the 10. And I was yelling and screaming at the screen and Sean McVay saying, why are you throwing the football there? You should have just ran it. And I think uh, girly stats would be a lot better if they had. And uh, I don't think Denver would have had near as much of a chance to get back in it. So, But overall, the stats pretty much lay it out. I mean, we ran the ball well. We didn't pass the ball well. And Denver threw the ball well and didn't run the ball well. And that's pretty much what the stats say. I, I think they're pretty on the money when it comes to that. Well, there's a couple of things there, too. I think the stats do deceive us a little bit because it says Todd Gurley with 28 carries. That was later in the game. The reality is the Rams didn't run enough. And especially that first half where – well, actually, it's just later in the first half, going in the first part of the third quarter, where the Broncos started really just stuffing him in the passing game because he just would not – McVay just would not back off the pass would not back off the pass. And here's the other thing, too. If they're going to pass the ball, what happened to the screen game today? If you got a blitz yeah. coming at you, wouldn't if you and if you guys if you have guys coming off the edge, you had both Bradley Chubb and our boy Vaughn Miller coming on both sides, the screen makes a lot of sense. I think they ran was it one screen? Yeah, there was a couple of quick outs, but yeah, there there was only I think one screen. So I and sometimes, you know, Sean McVay is so brilliant. He's so intelligent. He's such a student of the game. Every once in a while, I think this is one of those games he outsmarts himself, and that really is a positive ninety five percent of the time. But every once in a while, I'll come back to get him, and I mean that in the best of terms. He's going to become a better and better head coach over the years. He's going to become a better play caller. But every once in a while, he does this. And of late, the last couple of games especially, he's done this. Focus on your run. You have a great running back. You have one of the best running backs in the league. So, you know, that that was a bummer, I think. It, it could have cost the Rams a game, and eventually it will. Yeah, you know, the whole first drive, I don't think they, they ran the ball once. And I, I question that because, you know, okay, I, everybody's saying, well, McVay's using the pass to set up the run. Well, that's fine. I, I'm totally okay with that. But you've got to... You've got to run the football at least every once in a while. And he, and he just gets so pass-happy sometimes it drives me crazy. But when you've got the ball first down on the two-yard line, why are you passing the ball at all? I mean, there's no reason to pass the ball. I'd rather go, you know, three outs and then kick a field goal than go run the ball, throw an interception in the end zone, and not get anything. And that's kind of been our, you know, our – our modus operandi <laughs> since the beginning of the beginning of the season is that, you know, why I just don't understand when you've got a back like Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown, when you're that close, why on earth would you take a chance on throwing it? And I know he loves to throw the football, but this team is set up to run and pass. And I think the passing game would have been a lot better for the Rams tonight had they ran the football much more early. And that's what I would have liked to have seen. But other than that, you know, Todd Gurley looked great. The, the injuries were a little scary that we'll go into in a little bit. But uh, overall, they played pretty well considering it's in Denver, which is a hard place to play. The high altitude and the noise and the crowd and all that. And, you know, with the snow and the cold and Jared Goff wearing gloves, I'm sure that didn't make everything great for him. Um, you know, no excuses or anything. We didn't play as well as we could have, but we still came out with the victory and now we're six and zero. Oh, so overall, I guess you can't complain too much. And it's hard to, to really question McVay when you're six and zero. Oh. I, I think six and zero oh would feel a little bit better, you know, if we ran the football a little bit more, but still six and zero, oh, six and zero, oh, brother. Well, I was just about to ask you what the stats, what did the stats not tell us about the game, but you just explained it very well. It's another road game, second in a row. The Broncos do have talent. 
I don't think people really realize how much talent they have, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Bradley Chubb looked great out there. Von Miller, when he's on, is one of the best in the league. Those are two bookend defensive ends. They have solid corners as well. And we saw that. The combination, the pass rush off the edge, in with the secondary, really shut down Jared Goff. And put, there were times this game, it looked like Jared Goff was back in his rookie season. He got a little antsy back there. He he went too early on making throws. Sometimes he held on too long. It was very un-Jared Goff-like for this, before he's been in this last year. And that's because they got to him. They, they rushed the heck out of him. And he was used to basically, to me, having it a lot easier in the passing game. He didn't have that today. Denver made it hard. They made it really hard. And that, to me, because the Rams won, is going to be great for Jared Goff's development, in my opinion. You, take, you go back, you take this game, you, you read the film, you, well, not read, you watch the film, you take your notes, and you go back and you get better. But, man, that was that's what the stats didn't tell us as much. Well, it does and doesn't. Um, but, overall, I'll take it. 6-0. and uh, After two row games, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, you know, that's okay. I'll credit some of the sacks to the Broncos secondary. They played extremely well tonight. Goff didn't have any quick outlets to go to for most of the night. And that gave, you know, you saw him stand in the pocket for a good, usually for a good three seconds before the rush actually got to him. And that's because his receivers weren't open. He could have got rid of the ball sooner. So I credit a lot to the, the Broncos secondary. One thing I'll say about the Rams defense, you know, you wanted me to analyze the film from last week and why the run game was so bad. Well, was they, they kept losing their gap integrity all night long. That was the mm-hmm. biggest thing. And tonight they didn't lose their gap integrity. They played extremely well on their gaps, filled the, excuse me, filled the holes and, it showed because Denver didn't go anywhere. And it gives me confidence going forward that if if they can continue to play like that and continue to you know keep their gap integrity, they should be fine. So, you know, overall, they won in a tough place and, you know, in cold weather. And, you know, I can't complain too much. And and the fact that Cooper Cup came back on the field gives me great hope. <laughs> We're going to talk about that, man. And it was an ugly game in a lot of ways. And we're noting it's not peak L.A. Rams. This is not the best L.A. Rams game we've seen thus far. But overall, what did you like about the Rams today? Well, the fact that we weren't lighting it up and we still managed to get the ball down the field and score and keep the lead. I mean, that's a sign of a contender playing you know, tough, hard football and and they played tough, hard football all night long. Uh, I've been waiting for you to go off on Troy Hill. <laughs> he kind of deserves it tonight. But uh, overall, I think they played extremely well. I really hope that uh, Aqib Tlaib comes back soon. <laughs> but uh, I, they just played solid football tonight. It wasn't the high-flying Rams offense. It wasn't uh, you know as beautiful or pretty as you'd like it to be. But... They did what they had to do to win in a tough place in tough conditions. And that's, to me, that makes me happy, and I'm excited about that. I did like the grit the Rams showed in this game. They weren't, there were a lot of guys getting hurt. There, It was a physical game. And when it came down to it, they dominated the line of scrimmage on offense. They ran all over this Denver defense. And we know Denver's running defense is, is pretty horrible. But they still showed... Some pretty big grit. Going to Denver, just traditionally, is just not a great place to play. It's hard to play there. It's hard to breathe there. The altitude is devastating. I should, and I should know, man. I lived there in the Colorado. I lived at 8,000 feet. You know, so I can tell you firsthand, it is hard. You know, The Rams are normally playing at near sea level out there in L.A. To go out there in 5,000 plus feet and play, it's hard. Cold weather against a team that is physical on defense, a team that has offensive weapons. Emmanuel Sanders, Daenerys Thomas, people forget how good these guys are. They have a nice set of running backs. This Broncos team can be good very quickly. This is why I was nervous about this game. And, uh, you know, stats guy from, from Blitz Radio thought we were a little crazy about this, but this is why, because they this is a good, 
this is a, this team is better than his record. And you can and maybe it's the coaching, like you were like that's what he's pointing the coaching. But they have talent there, and they can be a contender in the AFC West very quickly. So I, I agree, and I can tell you firsthand, clashing you know cracking helmets and shoulder pads together in in twenty degree weather hurts a hell of a lot more than cracking 70 degree weather. So you start adding up all those different things, you know, plus, you know, Derek used to get out of breath walking to his car from his house at that high of altitude. So it it's tough. And to see him go in there and, and, you know, they pretty much dominated the game until the end and they did enough to win it. You just got to say, you know, way to go Rams. I, I, I don't want to be negative because, you know, we do that enough when when you're trying to pick apart a really good team, and I don't want to do that tonight because it was a tough win and they did well. I mean, there, there are some things to pick apart, which we should do as a responsible thing to do, but I can tell you that I'm happy with a 23-20 win. I'm, I'm looking at this game going two straight row games, and I have their third one next weekend against a rival. It's not The NFL is not an easy league. And uh, so I'll take this. I'll take 23-20. It's better than loss. And they'll, they'll pick up. They'll get better from it. I got to hope so. All right, folks. Most of us are practically addicted to anything LA Rams. That's why you're staying up tonight listening to this podcast on our post-game show. So if you do want more, if you want to learn more about Rams history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood team, Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out this son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s LA Rams. Folks, you can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Team. It's also available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Trust me. Just trust me. It's worth the read. It's Hollywood's Team Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. And a special shout-out to John um, to John Hawk. And, and uh guy probably would have had a greater, a better career, um, but, you know, his knees are messed up. The guy was a veteran in the Korean War, and we're getting closer and closer to Veterans Day, and it's time to start remembering those guys. So there you go. All right. Um, I guess number one on, on the agenda I had next here, and, and the reason why I'm going, uh, um, because I have a lot of emotions about this one. The Cooper Cup injury. And there's two parts here. The first part is the actual play. The second part is him coming back on the field. I have a lot of problems with this, and I, I kind of want to live this out for you. We've been talking about the NFL's penalty situation now for a long time. The roughing, the personal fouls, and the opinion that we both have, especially really you, is we're, we're basically wussifying the game. Okay, uh, This play bothered me. And it's not because it's a ticky-tack play. It's not because a quarterback was sitting back there and barely touched or it wasn't intentional. This was on the sideline. Cooper Cup's going out. He's going out of bounds. He's not turning up field. And Darian Stewart, a former Ram, by the way, reaches up, gets a face mask, by the way, as well, and horse collars him down. In the end, Cooper Cup hurts his knee and gets carted off the field. I have a I have a bigger problem with plays like this than I do with some of these quarterback plays. It's because it it is clearly a place where you know where the out of bounds line is. Mark Schlereth, a, a former Bronco, by the way, on the broadcast said it wasn't dirty. It wasn't intentional. Yes, it was. There's no way it's not intentional. Horse collaring is one of the easiest things you can do to grab somebody. He yanked him back. He had his face mask first. I have a really big problem with this. And maybe you can tell me I'm wrong. Maybe you could, But it's just the way the play went down. It's To me, it's almost worse than seeing something in the backfield. Yeah, it's awful hard, though, when you're going full speed to stop. I mean... You know, face mask happens a lot, and that's because the guys don't let go of them because it happens so fast. And horse collar, same thing. You're trying to get the guy down. I realize it was close to being out of bounds, but a lot of times you don't know how close to out of bounds you are when you're looking at the player and not at the line. I don't want to say it was dirty, but it certainly 
was a rough play and probably, you know, he deserved the penalty. I think that there's times, there's not a lot the league can do. You know, this, this play is already, you know, a penalty, penalty play. He's probably going to get fined for it. Uh, that about the only other thing you could do is eject a player. You know, he might've been eject worthy on that. I don't know, but, uh, I was more concerned and not really paying as much attention to the hit as I was seeing Cooper Cup's leg get bent back like that. Um, you know, my career ended pretty early because of an injury similar to that. And, you know, seeing him cart off the field, you know, I looked at my girlfriend and said, he's probably done for the year because it looked that bad. And uh, second half starts, and all of a sudden you look out there and you see Cooper Cup out on the field and I'm like, what in the heck is going on? How in the heck is he even out there? And you could tell he was still a little sore, but then I watched him run routes and it wasn't horrible. I mean, he certainly wasn't a hundred percent, but it wasn't horrible. So everything, all the tests came back negative. So hopefully he's okay. And you know, we'll be back in the next week or two, but uh, I take that over losing him for the season any day. I will. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit and not because I want to <laughs> Lord knows how much we disagree, but to me, he was clearly out of bounds. And for a horse collar, to me, that's different. A face masks are all, all, so much of the time they're accidental. I don't know many players who purposely go out there and just grab someone's face back, face mask. A horse collar, you actually have to dig your hand in there and yank back. And that's what bothered me. And it bothered me because you're saying you might not have known he's out of bounds. He was going out of bounds. He was out of bounds when the tackle takes place. And that's the real problem I have with it. It's not that... It looked like he was going out, he was staying in bounds, and then you just reached up and grabbed them. It's the way he's actually grabbing it and then pulling back. And, you know, I, I just look at that play and go, that, that's how you tear ACLs. That's how you mess up someone's neck. That's how you. I mean, we, we almost lost one of our favorite players for the entire year on a play like that. And I just cannot. I'm not going to get the benefit of the doubt on that one. I'll get the benefit of the doubt on a lot, on a lot of plays. I will. I'll give the benefit out of a lot of plays. But to me, that just seems completely careless. Completely, that's the kind of play that I would say you eject on. They didn't eject him, and, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe you feel I'm overreacting on that. But I'll, just the fact that he was actually out of bounds. It wasn't even a case of he wasn't there yet. He was there. He was out of bounds. So The only, the only way I would think you're overreacting is the fact that you think it was dirty. I mean, I played football for 11 years. I played defense for 11 years. And I know that when I got a hold of the guy with a ball, I was taking him down no matter what I had to do. And I just don't know that he knew for a fact where they were on the field. And I don't know that he knew for a fact that he was pulling on his horse, you know, pulling a horse collar instead of pulling on a shoulder pad. It's, it's hard when you're going out there full speed. Everything's happening so quickly. I just I don't want to say that the guy was dirty. I, I just think it was a play that ended up he got penalized, and you know that's what should have happened. And you know maybe you can add an eject rule to that play, but other than that, I just think it was a bad play on his part. And thank goodness it looks like Cup's going to be okay. I'm willing to back off some on the dirty thing of it, but it was it was careless at the very, at the very least. It was careless. You know, it was not a play where he was mindful of where he was or what he was doing. He was, like you say, he's just trying to get him down. Well, he's trying to get a guy down. He's going out of bounds. That's careless. I mean, you, well, you I, have those I can plays back where off on I, the dirty. Well, you have those plays where you know a guy's out of bounds and you know you're going to hit him just because you want to hit him. And then you have plays that, you know, the guy is going out of bounds and he's close and you're not sure if he is or not and you take him down. And that's what I see more than, you know, oh, I'm going to get one last hit on him, you know, because he needs to get hit. I didn't see that. So that's why I'm saying I don't think it was dirty. Was it a bad play? Yes. Was it necessary? No. But it's hard to stop that kind of thing in the full speed of the game. So there were other injuries as well. Uh, most of these guys, I think all of them came back, but these guys are going to be sore come Tuesday and Wednesday especially. Uh, our boy Andrew, Andrew Whitworth, goes out, comes back in. Roger, did Roger Saffold get back in there? Uh, no. Okay, so... We'll have some injuries to update. Right now, I don't have anything yet telling what, what's going on with these guys. Uh, Roger Saffold did go down, was limping, was going to the medical tent last time we saw him. Helmet uh, to the knee. Was it helmet to the knee? Okay. Who else we see go out today? It was uh, Matt Longinker, the back yeah, injury. Yeah, sore, he did come back, sore back. 
He did yeah, come back I in think... the game. Michael Brockers with a shoulder. He came back in the game as well. So I would expect a lot of veteran uh, sits this week, especially on Tuesday and Wednesday. Sure. That's how it's going to be, I would guess. Um, we're going to have to watch Cooper Cup, see how much that knee swells up or doesn't swell up after this game. I'm guessing it's a pretty good knee sprain. If it's, if it's ACL, he's not back out there in the second half. So it's probably a pretty good knee sprain. We'll see. All right. So the what went wrong overall for for the Rams today? Well, I don't think anything went wrong because they won. But there there's things that they could have done differently. Like we discussed, I think the play calling was a little bit off because they could have, you know, they could have ran the ball more. They could have kind of I think they would have worn the Denver line out a lot more if they'd have ran the football more, which would have got Goff more time to throw. And the secondary would have been a lot more tired. And I think there's just all those things you can add up. So if you want to ask me what went wrong, I'll say they didn't run the football as much as they could have on a team that they were killing it, rushing it against. Of course, Cooper Cup going down, <clears throat> that definitely cost us. I, I mean, Josh Reynolds, you know, did a fine job last week and seemed to do okay today. Uh, you know, it's questionable on a couple things, but overall he did all right. But I think that, kind of hurt us a little bit and I think the pass protection the biggest thing with that was that you know again the secondary played really well and they weren't keen on the run as much and and I think they do that a lot and so that's why I think they should have ran the ball more forced them to key on it and then open up the field so if if I had to say anything went wrong that would be it but I don't really think anything went wrong overall I think it was just a hard-fought game with a few bad choices from that and going back, the screen game too. The running game and the screen game, get these guys to commit more at the line of scrimmage, I think would have been beneficial early, earlier, and uh, they didn't do it. Uh, you know, for me, what went wrong? Marbles, marbles. What went wrong is everything you said. I do think that I cannot wait until Greg Zerline gets back. He just adds a dimension, by the way, in the kicking game. Watching Cairo Santos out there today made me a little nervous. I just got to be honest with you on that one. And I still like the Gus, the Rams show going for on fourth down. That was a good side. Flipping around and trying to end this podcast tonight a little more positive as well because they, they did win. They did win. They won a tough place. They won in a really tough place. You know, teams go to Denver to die. We cannot forget Kansas City went there early this year and barely held on for a win, too, 27-23. Denver's tough. Denver's super tough. So, well, a lot of things went good this weekend. You know, I won my bass tournament yesterday. The crowd goes wild. <sighs> <laughs> the Rams won. The Dodgers won one in Milwaukee. So, good weekend. Oregon won one for you as well. Oregon, Oregon. yeah. Oregon beat Washington in overtime. Now they're ranked, I think, 12th or something like that. So, yeah. yeah on this side, Ohio State wins. It's pretty. I think it was a pretty good sporting weekend for, for us. I would say. All right. Yeah. Oh. If if no if nobody goes down for injury for any longer than just a couple of days of rest, I'll be thrilled after this. Yeah, physical, definitely. Okay, one more thing to bring up before we we go to the uh, talk about the World Ram Barbershop. Case Keenum, former Ram, <laughs> put up good numbers today. The Rams gave him more problems than they did in Minnesota, though. Uh, what, what were you? What was your uh, feeling on Case Keenum? I think Case Keenum was Case Keenum tonight. I mean, he made some some throws that were phenomenal, and then he missed a lot of throws that he should have made. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of confidence with him in Denver. I don't think the team has a lot of confidence. I think that was a, you know, when he when he was in Minnesota, he had a much better staff around him. He had a much better team around him, a lot more playmakers around him, and he was able to do what he did there because of more of a group effort. Here he's having to do a lot himself, and he's just not that guy. But overall, he played pretty well. I mean, considering they had a chance to beat us at the end, says something. So you'll take Diggs and Thalen over Denarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders? Any day of the week. There we go. What about the running backs? Uh, the Denver had From the better year. running backs. Yeah. Denver, Denver has the better running backs, and they they were leading the NFL in, in rushing the football, but they 
never really showed that tonight, partially because of their play calling and partially because of the Rams' defense actually keeping their gap integrity. But I think that's Denver's way to win going forward is to rush the football a lot more. Uh, If they can do that, I think they'll do better. But uh, I just don't think Keenum has the tools around him that he had last year. And if he had that, I think he'd still be a, a decent quarterback. When when you talk about a system quarterback or a, a game manager, I think Keenum can be good at that if he has the right tools. You know, he's obviously can put up the numbers, but the numbers can be deceiving. He overthrew a lot of guys. That's what that's what Stats Guy told us for Blitz. Well, he overthrows a lot of guys, and we've seen the actual. What we used to see was him underthrowing guys. Yeah. And he's just, oh he overthrew guys all over the place. So, that's it. all right. So real quick here, uh, here is. The wonderful, illustrious Norm Hightower talking about the Golden Ram Barbershop. Now it's time to give a shout out to our longtime sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like that old school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day that they left for St. Louis and has kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows that we sent you to get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. It's it's like a shrine to the Rams, it, like a Hall of Fame to the Rams in a barbershop. But it, Sal also provides that really nice old-school barbershop experience, talking Rams football and more. Trust me, folks, you won't regret it. Sal even managed to make me, Derek, and Johnny look good and appear, well, somewhat normal. You know, I wonder if Johnny stopped by to visit Sal before we trip to Taiwan. I don't know. He should have. I hope he did. You know, go on Taiwan. I'm just saying. But you, by the way, folks, yes, Johnny's in Taiwan. He watched the game there from today, hopefully recruiting some new fans for us. All right, so we're getting ready to shut down the shop tonight. A few more things we want to get out there. Tough game. You have to win these games. Not every win's a blowout. So for those who are upset, it's only 23-20. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm happy with it. I wish... I wish the Rams were taking these guys off the field, but the Broncos are tough. I, you and I, we both agree with that. But here's a question I have for you. Is Todd Gurley the best running back in the league at this point? Well, right now, I think without question. A lot of people would say uh, Kamura, or what is that? I always screw up his name. Kamara. Kamara, is that what it, Kamara. Kamara. You know, he's, he's doing well with New Orleans, but... The Rams' offense runs around Todd Gurley, and I don't mean that to be a pun, but it's true. Uh, everything starts and finishes with him. Even when when McVay's passing the football every down on a series, it's always that threat of Todd Gurley that you know keeps the team honest. Tonight, over 200 yards. You he, you can just see him how he sees the field, how he you know makes the cuts, follows his blockers. He's phenomenal and. I don't think there's anybody better in the game right now than him. A lot of people would say a certain running back from Pittsburgh might be better, but where is he? So I can't really think you can make that argument right now. So if you had, if I had to say you know, who I think the top running back in the league is, whether I'm a Rams fan or not, it would definitely be Todd Gurley. Well, don't forget, there are some who will argue Ezekiel Elliott, but the, the Dallas offense doesn't run through him right now like that. But everything for the Rams goes through Todd Gurley. Everything yeah. does. And I also think with the Steelers, they have you know James Conner out there who's doing a fine job for the Steelers. The ball is going through him and, and Big Ben. So I, what happens with knock on wood should Todd Gurley go and get hurt? What happens to this Rams offense? Well, it'd slow down. They, their points per game would go down probably 10. Can, can Malcolm Brown be the guy like James Conner's been for the Steelers? No. So, I mean, that, that's the real question. We might be asking that. We might be saying, well, can John Kelly step up and do that? 
I, so, and, and I would, and I might say yes to that, but we haven't really seen him play against too many, you know, number one offense or number one defenses. So until we see that, I wouldn't say, but I think there's a possibility that him, him and Justin Davis could both play really well uh, in this offense. I just, Brown's a good downhill runner between the tackles, run you over guy, but he's not Todd Gurley. Uh, Justin Davis has speed, but he doesn't have the runover power. And John Kelly, he, he'll surprise you with how powerful he is when he tries to run people over. But he's got some skills, you know, very similar to Todd Gurley. So I'd have to wait and see, but I don't think Brown's the guy, no. Okay, and how do you feel about the defense after this game? I want to keep the lead back, and I really think – before it's too late, the Rams probably ought to look at trying to get somebody else in there. Troy Hill's not the guy as much as I love him and as much as he's an Oregon guy and all that stuff. You know, he plays pretty well on guys that he matches up well with, but he did not match up well tonight, and you could see him get get beat pretty bad. You know, he's a good tackler. Uh, he makes some good plays, but he's, he's not great in that position. And Shields is obviously not an every-down player. Uh, otherwise, he'd be in there every down. So part of me thinks that depending on where they're at with Tlaib, you know, are they trying to just band-aid it until he comes back? And then when he comes back, is he going to be 100% right away? Those are all questions that we'll have to look at. But I really think the Rams need to look at going out and seeing if there's anybody they can pick up that can maybe fill that role better than Troy Hill. All right, one last thing I want to throw at you. And by the way, um, I'm going to keep my mouth shut on Troy Hill. <laughs> it just, um, <laughs> you know, I... I I'm frustrated with Troy Hill. I'll just leave it at that. I'm frustrated with him. And, you know, he won't be a Ram after this year. They're going to let him go. So I do have one thing I want to ask about the defense, especially that last drive. And because because I was hard on, on the officiating last week. And then the question came up again this week. And the question comes, how bad was the officiating in this game? And actually I thought it was pretty good up until that last drive when – it looks like three different calls went against the Rams that really shouldn't have gone against them. But am I being a homer here? I guess is the question. Well, the one pass interference, or the one was it a pass interference play or a face mask play that they called? Well, the one on the sideline where they, I think it was a pass interference call. Um, I can't remember who the receiver was, but. The receiver clearly had, I think it was Troy Hill, by the jersey pulling him down and shoving him away. And that they was called the end it zone. On. No, that was on the sideline. It wasn't on the end zone. That's a different play. I know which one you're talking about. Okay. The one I'm talking about was earlier in the game. It was clearly offensive pass interference, and it went against the Rams. And there was a face mask call against the Rams. Unless it happened early in the play and I didn't see it, it certainly didn't happen on the tackle. So there was a couple, but, you know, you're going to have – two or three bad calls every game, it seems like. So tonight wasn't as blatant as it was or timing-wise as it was like last week's. But, you know, overall, I think the officials did fairly decent. They missed a couple, though. I don't, I felt like they were fine until that last drive, and then everything fell apart for them. The false start, don't forget the false start, which wasn't a false start. Oh, yeah, that too. Um, well, sorry, the, the offsides, the, the neutral zone infraction, that, was, that should have been called a false start. Then you have... The I know what player you're talking about. The, that was with um, Marky Christian was called for a face mask. Yes. There's no face mask. <laughs> there was nothing. I was watching the review going, uh, it was pretty clean. Where's the face mask? <laughs> and you're seeing, you're seeing, was it Sanders or, or Sutton that was yanking the, the Rams player down? It then was the, Sutton. Okay. So then we're in the end zone here, and you're seeing Sutton – Sutton this time for sure yanking Sam Shields down on a ball that was borderline catchable. And they call that pass interference. And I just sitting there thinking, how this is all happening on one drive. How in the, how in the heck have they gone from calling a great game or at least a solid game to this all in one drive? And I'm, I'm curious to see how the NFL, I would really like to see how the NFL reviews these these uh these crews well the one in the end zone with shields 
uh, it looked like he was pushing off, but if you look also, Shields had both his hands on that guy's arm holding on to it. So it's hard to say which way that went. I mean, I, I, I like, I want to be a homer too, but that one was a lot more questionable than some of the other ones. Well, I'm uh, looking at that going, see, I'm seeing him push down. But here's the case. Even, even if you have, like, how you saw it, why would you call one guy and not the other? Why, why wouldn't you just rule incidental contact? If right. they're both interfering with each other, then why are you even calling that? Right, I agree with that. So, you know, I would, I, I would really like to see how the NFL looks at these things, and and hopefully they. Well, no, I keep saying hopefully, but you know, we've been watching. I've been watching the NFL for a long time. I remember back at the Rams' 2001 season when they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, that was a year that was really, really bad at the officiating too, and I, I, I still remember it 17 years later. It's so. You think the officiating will get better, but it won't. It just is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. All right, so a few more things that we want to just kind of uh, talk to you before, talk about before we go. Sponsorship, you can reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. Our numbers are very, very good. Getting better every week. Like a lot better. We do have a media kit that we can get out to you all immediately. All right. Also, our our trivia question. Here we go. Biggest margin of victory for the Rams in the Rams Broncos series, and what year did it take place? I'm still taking entries on that until our next preview. We uh, we have gotten some emails come in. You can send your answers to Rams Talk 1945 at gmail.com. Also, our iTunes reviews. I do want to give some folks a shout out here because you're listening to our call and making sure that you you know let us. Let us know what you think. So, a couple of our reviews from this last week that came in from AngelsFan1522. I was looking for a solid Rams podcast and found this one, and I've never had to look again because the content is so good. Well, thank you, sir. This is from... Wow. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, this is from E504 percentage, uh, percentage point, percentage point, or percentage sign, whatever it is. Great insight, insight on the Rams. Love the after the game pod. Keep up the good work, guys. All right, all right, all right. Dodger Dog 65. Also five stars. Great show. Passionate, fan-driven, good knowledge. As a longtime Rams fan, I appreciate the historical content with interviews with former players. Now, this one kind of, I was like, what? What's he talking about? You ready? This one's from LaWall. Five star. Can you give us a five star? So, cool. Thank you. Uh, became a Rams fan when they moved to L.A. This podcast has a lot of info. They upload multiple times a week to keep you updated. Only gripe is the nasally voices guy who oftentimes yells into the mic whenever he first starts speaking. It's ear piercing. So me being that guy with mediocre self-esteem, I went back and listened to like the last five intros that I did trying to see if that guy was me. (laughs) And excuse me, I didn't, I didn't hear a yell. So maybe it's still me. I don't know, but. I kind of laughed at that one. I'm just wondering what the heck he's talking about. So, excuse me. (laughs) Your voice makes my ears hurt every time I hear it, so it's no big deal. Well, thank you for continuing to massage my my ego. All right, I had to get get one dig in there before the night was over, you know. Now all of a sudden I get hiccups. This is embarrassing. So I got to wrap this thing up because I'm a mess now. Folks. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me at DC Paul and Norm Hightower is at Norm Hightower on Twitter. Also, this week we're, be, we're doing something pretty cool. We are running a straight up promo, a promotion week with Downtown Rams. We're going to visit their podcast for their preview and they're going to come over to our podcast for next week's post game. We're excited about that. Uh, we'll sit there and talk with you guys and kind of run a joint thing. Also this week on the preview podcast for us is uh, Kevin Molina from 49ers Hub. He'll come on. He was great, absolutely great for our uh, tour around the league. We're, we're glad to have him back. So I'm looking forward to a great week of podcasts. I'm on the road. Be home. Hopefully we can get you guys your, your next Rams talk out here pretty quickly. I know that uh, Buddy Hans is recording tomorrow night. So there and you we go. And also, we'll also be on uh, the, what, what, the Stats Let's, Guys show. Yeah, Blitz NFL Radio will be on their, on their show tomorrow night as well. I don't know what date they'll publish. I'm not sure if they're live or not, but that's going to be a fun one. That guy, those guys are hilarious, so I'm glad to be on their show, and uh, it's it's pretty cool 
to uh, go out there and, and spread the Rams news. We'll have that link up there for you as well to go on there and listen to our our little uh, 15 minute jaunt on the Bliss NFL Radio Show. Hey, and by the way, well, follow them. I got a free T-shirt if I, if I get 30 <laughs> follows over there. Come on. Well, and and the interesting thing about tonight is that you got the uh, Chiefs and the <clears throat> Patriots playing against each other. It's it's going to be hard to not root for the Patriots because you'd like to see the Rams be the only undefeated team in the NFL, but I don't know that I can do that. So <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens to, tomorrow, though. <laughs> I'll count the Rams to make them to take that win from uh, Kansas City. There you go. That's all I'm gonna do. Um, can, I can never cheer for the Patriots, man. Sorry. Yeah, can't do it. I can't. I can't either. <laughs> Unless they're playing the Forty Niners, and I can think about it. All right, folks. Don't forget us on iTunes and all those places. Subscribe. We'd really appreciate your subscription. And, of course, the reviews. All those things help us out. And uh, spread the word, please. If you enjoy this podcast and enjoy our partner podcast over Butting Heads and Rampage Radio, you know, we'd really appreciate you spreading the word about what we do. It uh, keeps the lights on, definitely. And uh, motivates us. Every time we see a review, every time, even if it's not the world's best review, it makes us better because we want to be better. And we enjoy bringing all this content to you. So, all that said, for Norm Hightower, this is Derek C. Paul from Rams Talk. Go Rams 2020. Adios. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in a make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.